everybody. My name is Abby, for those of you who don't know me. And we're just so happy to have you guys in church this morning. If you are new or you're visiting with us for the first time, we would love to connect with you. And there's two ways you can do so. You can either come visit us at guest services. It's over in the One Cup Cafe after the service. And we have a gift for you guys just for being here. Or you can connect digitally by texting the words here to 219-233-2311. We'd love to just be able to answer any questions you have about the church and just say hi to you guys. Um, and then next up, um, it's summer, it's nice out. Um, so one of the things that we can be doing as a church um, is getting out there and walking our streets, walking our neighborhoods, and just praying over our community. Because we here at Everything Church, we know that God moves when we pray. And so we want to see that visual representation. So we, you might have noticed there's some maps uh, when you first walk in on the right. And what we encourage you to do is go and walk your streets, and as you do that, come back and highlight the areas that you've prayed over in Maryville, um, if you're praying in Maryville. Obviously, if you're in another community, pray over them too, um, but we just believe that the Lord is going to move, and someday, you know, a year, two years, five years from now, someone's going to be sitting in here, and they might look over at that map and be like, yeah, I live right here. And we can say, you know what, this is, this is the Lord moving from our prayers. And so that's just kind of something that we like to do as a church. Um, and so let's get out and let's pray. And then lastly, um, I just want to thank you guys who give to the vision and mission of Rethink Church. Um, it's because of your giving and your thoughtfulness that we're able to do what we do in the community, not just on Sunday mornings, uh, but throughout the uh, week as well. Um, so thank you guys for that. If you do want to give and partner with us financially, there's two ways you can do so. You can either give at the black box by the door, or you can give online at rethinkchurch.cc. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the sermon this morning. Well, hey, good morning and welcome back to church. Uh, thanks for joining us. If you notice, there's a few already not here. Um, so I'm the one last standing, I'll put it that way. So uh, <laughs> they're joining Sunday morning somewhere else at home. Uh, resting and all that so um, but with that being said uh, we just know that this has been a crazy last couple of years and so uh, previously we had a, like a connection group and small groups and all this and so we are going to send a survey out to you guys want to give you a housekeeping item how can we help connect you to each other to your relationship with Jesus um, it's that kind of stuff because what we don't want to do is just be a Sunday morning and like when we show up and then you're like Great, now what about the 167 hours outside of this hour? So, uh, we're going to send a survey out to you guys and watch your emails and stuff like that. Uh, Heather and I are still working through what does that look like, uh, because we want to help make sure that you connect to God first, and then help connect each other so you don't feel alone in this world and going through all of this. So, seek look for that in your, in your inboxes and all that, and Abby will probably come up in the next week or so, once we actually have the details out, and say, hey, here's the actual details. So, we don't trust me with details, let's put it that way. So, because um, I'll say whatever I want to say is kind of random and then all of that. So, um, so we're still in Ephesians chapter three. We're gonna keep journeying through this. And so as a church, we, like we're about five years in, like we're just like, hey, we're like in kindergarten, right? As a church. And so, um, but we've decided that we're gonna take the slow journey through letters of the books of the Bible to try to understand them. And so that's kind of where we're at. So in Ephesians chapter 3, I'm going to read it here in a little bit. If you want to kind of turn there, um, we'll be in verse 14 or so, and then we're going to walk through the sermon. But just to bring us back into context of what we've actually learned so far in this letter, is that Paul, who's planted, he's been spent about a year and a half in Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey. Um, he's now, it's like years later after that, 
but he's now on house arrest. He's in Rome. He gets word that there's some issues going on in Ephesus, and so he uses technology, writing a letter, uh, and says, hey, let's talk about this. Now, the problem is we have one side of the conversation. Does that make sense? We don't have a two-way conversation going on here, but we only have one side of it, but we're starting to pick up on some things, and what we've already seen is that Paul is addressing identity issues. He spent the first two chapters dealing about identity. He's not giving a command yet. He's tackling identity. He's going to tackle calling. He's going to tackle conduct. And then at the very end, how do we deal with conflict and how do we conduct ourselves in that conflict and all of that? So we're going to get to that point. But right now we're in this hinge chapter where he's talking about identity and he's going to do the calling here in a little bit. And so what he's doing is saying all these issues. Now, there's a ton of issues. We're starting to pick up on that. And what is Paul's response to it? We talked about last week, when there's a ton of issues facing you, what do you do? A lot of us want to lash out and defend ourselves and all this, but we learn from Paul is in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Here's what it says. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. When you have issues, go to the Father. Sounds very cliche and churchy, but there's some truth to it, right? Um, and here's what he says. From whom all, the, go to the Father, whom all, and every family on earth is, and on this earth is named. Basically, every father has a father in the sky. Um, I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened the power in your inner being through the Spirit, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted in family, established in love, may be able to comprehend all the saints with his length, the width, the height, and the depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge that all may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask for, according to the power that it works in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for generations forever and ever. Amen. Now I'll be honest, we are, I was about to just move on to this next thing. But is, as, as a pastor, it's easy to just assume that you know what prayer is. And it's easy to assume that you know how to pray or why we, why we pray. Um, and then my, my assumption, like I don't like to assume because we all know what it makes out of us, right? And so we just don't assume here. Um, and then <clears throat> later on this week, some of my schedule is that we're part of an uh, outreach program here in the community where people in our community can Google things and faith, family, prayer, whatever. And they watch a video and then it says you're going to talk to somebody. They can talk. They send me an email basically. So a lot of my week has few hours of my week is responding to these kind of emails. And you can imagine, I mean, you Google some weird things too, let's just admit it, right? You Google things that you don't want to admit, like how do you tie shoes, right? Like, like we Google some of the weirdest things, but some people do it. And then all of a sudden, now you're talking to a pastor and you're like, ooh. Once they find out I'm a pastor, they're like, and the conversation's done. Um, but in the last two weeks, I've seen a huge uptake of what prayer is or how to pray. Does that make sense? Uh, there's a lady here in our church who helps us with that as well. So I forward her some of the easier ones, whatever I'm like, whatever you want to call it for. Thanks, her. She's like, I don't want to deal with this one. Here you go. So, uh, so, so she responds to them, and every once in a while we have to collaborate and say, okay, this is the way to respond to these kind of people. So we've seen a huge intake or uptick on what prayer is, how do I pray. So I just wanted to pause today and let's walk through what prayer actually is. Make sense? Good? Good, because I'm not changing my mind anyway. So, um, now, I don't know about you, but some of us, we just go through the motions on prayer. There's, there's some issues that when we pray, we just, we just don't know how to respond. So what we do is we just pray for meals. 
I'm going to pray right before we go to bed. Right? Which makes you wonder, like, where was this tradition of praying before your meal started? Like, what's in your food? Right? Like, how dangerous is your food that you have to pray before you eat it? Like, even the Jewish people, they prayed after their food. They're like, thank God for this food. Like, they would eat it, and then they would pray. Uh, but for some reason, we have a tradition. I remember growing up, we prayed before every meal except for breakfast. I don't know why, but my mom just never made us pray before breakfast. And I was like, sweet. Probably because it was chaotic right before school. But, or how dangerous can cereal and milk be? Right? Well, when you're cooking raw chicken, that's a different issue. You do want to pray for that stuff. Like, you want to, like, make sure it's cooked and all that. But here's the deal. Some of us, we just go through the motions and we just pray just to pray because it's a habit. But we're not expecting God to actually do anything. It just makes us feel better. Does that make sense? And then there's other camps of people on the far end of the spectrum where they believe that they are changing God's destiny for eternity. That they are going to get blessed by God and he's going to rewrite history in the future because of my blessings. And we talked about this before, that if God blesses you, then he be, like, if he says yes to you, then he's saying yes or saying no to thousands of other people. Like, if you're praying for that job, so are other people. And if God gives you that job, then he's not blessing other people. If God gives you that lottery ticket as a winner, then other people didn't get it, right? By the way, if you do that, just make sure you tithe, and we'll go ahead. But... <laughs> Or just don't do it. But anyway, so, but it, like, at some point, we have to think through this. Or if we, if God says yes to all of my prayer requests, whose world changes? Is it just my world that gets better, or is it everybody else around me that gets better? And some of us truly believe that God is going to rewrite history. Now, there's reality. There's some truths in both camps. Should you bring a request to God? Absolutely. Should you just go through the motions and go through the, like, just because it's habit? I don't know. But there is some, like, sometimes you just do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And there's faithfulness in this. It's not just, just, you don't just pray when you feel like it. Does that make sense? And so some of us, we have to, like, navigate our way through that. The problem is, and this is where I think we can kind of get a little confused, is we have this misunderstanding of who Jesus is. And so when it comes to praying to Jesus, we don't know necess necessarily know why or how. And so we get a little bit off skewed. And a lot of times, if you just Google some of these things, it's hilarious. Um, you get the hipster Jesus. I don't know if you've ever seen this one. Where the hipster Jesus turns water into IPA. <laughs> right? We make Jesus out of our own images. We believe that Jesus is all about our agenda, don't we? And our likeness and all of this. And so, you see this one? This one came across, as a pastor, I get random things that churches should buy, like the materials and the things. And this one right here came across into my inbox, and I just felt like you guys needed to see it as well. <laughs> Cringeworthy? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Your reaction is my reaction. But this was like, some of the people think that like Jesus, like somehow all the Bible's promises somehow in America, right? And that American somehow just fits in Jesus' little... America's not the next Israel. We just have to understand this, right? Now, here's the deal. Let's talk through this. At one point, Jesus has original disciples, and in John 15, he calls them, he goes, you're no longer my servants, but they're my friends. Now, here's where it gets tricky. Remember that line we talked about a couple weeks ago? That all scripture is written for us, but it's not written to us. 
Think about this, okay? So the original disciples, Judas including, are sitting there and they hear this. You're, we're no longer servants, but we are friends. Is Jesus our friend? Yes. But does that mean that and we get all the promises that he made to the original disciples and stuff like that? We have to decipher those things through, doesn't we, right? One of the reasons we have to understand our culture, the culture of the Bible, is because it's not written to us. Right? If you write a letter to somebody that you know right now, you have to explain all the things. Like if you mention Facebook, you have to explain what Facebook is. It's this app where everybody just gets on word vomits, right? Like you don't have to explain that, right? You say Facebook, or I just say Epbook because it's like shorter way to say it. Or you have to explain how to drive in America and all this. No, you just write the context. And a lot of times the biblical authors are just writing things because they don't have to explain it to the original audience. I'm wondering if the original, especially in the New Testament, that they really thought that in 2,000 years that we would be sitting here explaining and studying their letters. Maybe they did, maybe they don't. We don't really know. But for some reason, they just say things that we don't that they don't have to explain. So this is why we take the time to understand the context and the culture built around it so we understand what the original audience actually got and then we can apply it correctly instead of just misapplying it and saying, this is, look, we got this right here because we're awesome. We're so much better than everybody else. We don't, want, we don't actually want to do that, even though it's been done in the past, right? So we have to walk through this. So John is the original guy. He's hearing this, and he's like explaining. He's like hearing that Jesus says he's with a friend. But then he has this next encounter, which, well, not the next, but he has another encounter with Jesus in Revelation chapter 1. Let me just read it to us. Revelation chapter 1, Jesus is, or sorry, John is on the island of Patmos. And he's hanging out, just going through the normal day. It's a Sunday for John. And he says this, On the Lord's day I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, Write on a scroll what you see, and send it to the seven churches, if Ephesus is one of them. And then, skip all this other stuff, he says this, When I saw Jesus, I fell at his feet as though I was dead. John does not look around and say, What's up, homeboy? How you doing? You're like, he's just like, no. It's Jesus, and in his resurrected form, I'm going to fall down as if I was dead. And Jesus has to reach down and say, okay, don't be afraid. When we approach Jesus, we have to understand this, that we're not just approaching Jesus because he's our friend. So, and I say this because I think we need to understand that Jesus, we want Jesus, yes, to be safe, but Jesus isn't safe. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Do we want to save Jesus who's just going to be nice and kind and be like this weird hipster version of Jesus? Like, oh, everything's okay, right? Does that kind of a Jesus eradicate evil out of this world? Probably not. But this is what Jesus came to do. He came to see, he, he came down to this earth because we created a mess that we unleashed evil on, and Jesus is, he is a friend to us, and we can approach him. We don't have to jump through protocols, hoops, or anything like that. We have direct access to Jesus. But does that mean that we can just approach him however we want to? Not necessarily. We still have to approach him with the right mindset. Uh, in C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, if you've read it, it's awesome. If you haven't, get a book and read it. Um, could be your summertime reading. Uh, but um, when, when the Mr. Beaver, Mrs. Beaver, trying to explain to the children who this character Aslan is, who's the Jesus-like character, they're talking to him, and, and the children's assuming assume that he's safe. And he's like, whoa, whoa, Mrs. Beaver never said that he was safe. He's good. He's kind. Look, he's a king, but we need to understand that. But he's not safe. 
And here's the deal. We have to approach Jesus as if he's not, as if he's not safe. He's good. He's our Savior. He's our King. But we never said anything about safe. Right? We put this uh, quote up earlier this week in, uh, in, our, in our Facebook post just to see uh, what people's reactions were. Um, the, the idea of, like, here's a quote from Janie Greer. He's a pastor in uh, Salem, South Carolina area. They got to you good at something. Whatever it is, you'll figure it out, right? Um, and do it, for the, do it well for the glory of God. But do it somewhere strategic for the mission of God. When it comes to our approach to God, we have to understand this, that it's not about, like, we're not part of this relationship with, with Jesus so that we get our agenda taken care of. And a lot of times we approach Jesus like this. Being part of Jesus' kingdom, being part of the relationship with Jesus is really about his agenda. And here's the harsh reality. This is where it gets really tough when we approach Jesus, especially when it comes to prayer. Is Jesus, here's my agenda, here's my hopes, and here's my dreams, I'm just going to put it at the foot of the cross. And whatever happens will happen. Right? That doesn't really sell in American Western Christianity, does it? And what do you hear in American Christianity? Look at the top ten of worship songs in this last week. How many things have, like, my agenda, my hopes, everything's going to go up and to the right, I don't know if that rhymes or, like, whatever, but somehow it's all about me. All right? This is, this is the part of the, when you go back to biblical Christianity, or Christ-like Christianity, we have to understand that even Jesus had to put his hopes and his dreams and his agenda at the, foot of the, at the will of God. When we approach God, when we approach Jesus through prayer, go directly to him, but it's your agenda against surrender. When we turn and we tend to make Jesus all about, or following Jesus all about what we can get out of it, that's when we screw things up. And that's what we have to understand as a foundational piece of how do we pray. Like, you're going to throw your agenda, even down to where you live, at his will. Like, okay, God, where do you want me to live? And Heather and I lived this out. Like, uh, six years ago, we were like, okay, God, where do you want us to move? Right? Scariest things. Kansas City, South Carolina. Charleston, South Carolina, or Northwest Indiana. Northwest Indiana was not in our will. Just so you guys know that. Uh, and I remember praying through this going, God, there's no way you want us to move to Indiana. And here we are, right? Like, that's part of this process. And I believe this, that God is going to make you something amazing at something. It could be business, it could be construction, it could be music, whatever. And you could sit there and say, okay, I'm going to do good at it, I'm going to do it all for God's glory, but he may ask you to give that your dream up and move somewhere else, and you'd be, like, mm -hmm. and you'd be outside of God's will. Because he may want you to do it somewhere else, he may want other people to come here, all that kind of stuff, because he wants to move his people around. And part of this process of understanding how do we decipher and understand what God's will is, comes through prayer. And this is one of those avenues that we have to work through. And so we're going to walk through what does it look like to really pray, uh, to, to go through that um, and stuff like that, but just having this understanding that, that here's part of this process, we talked about this already in, in Ephesians 1 and 2, is that our identity is wrapped up into this. World religion says that if you do good, then God's going to give you favor. If you do bad, then he's going to give you punishment. Here's the reality. Following Jesus means that we all admit that we're all bad. The only reason we're made good is because of Jesus. It's not your behavior. This isn't karma. It's not like a bank account, you know what I mean? All that kind of stuff. There's that one. So um, religion says that we have to work for God's favor. And part of what we've learned in this identity already is that we work from God's favor. That God so loved us that he sent his son. Yeah. 
Having that understanding changes the way that we approach prayer. Does that make sense? And so part of what we have to understand is when it comes to prayer, it's a two-way conversation. A lot of times we approach prayer as if we were waiters at a diner just commanding the, the kitchen staff to cook things, don't we? We're like, hey, I need this, I need this, I need this, and then we walk away, we do our own thing, we come back, we say, I need this, this, and this, and that's how we approach prayer. One of my first things that I had to start learning last year is I sit for at least five minutes in silence. It's awkward. <laughs> it's weird to start out your day. So what I do is I get up, make coffee, because why not? And then I sit there and I just sit in silence for five minutes and I listen for the voice of God. And, I, and sometimes I have to pray, God, what do you actually want me to pray about? Here's the deal. One of the most destructive things in our generation is that we value our thoughts and our emotions high, so high. Like, that we think that we can approach God in, in the rightful ways, even though the scripture is very clear that his ways are higher than our ways. Yeah. So why would we think that we can come to him with our agenda and say, God, here's what you need to do for me? And yeah, we do this. And we have platforms like social media, blogs, and everything else where everybody can become a reporter, an expert on anything, right? And YouTube. And we say, here are my thoughts, here are my feelings. And I'm important because whatever. Because Roland endorsed me. And so this is what we do. We just sit there and we say, hey, so-and-so said, I, I, I'm good at this, I'm going to do it. And we value our thoughts and our emotions so high that we just, we, we don't submit to the will of God. And even in our day-to-day -day prayer time, we need to sit in silence and approach him in our will of God and say, okay, God, what do you actually want me to pray about? How should I be praying today? And when we do that, we, we move on to the next thing, which, which, by the way, I'm going to give you, like, steps, and I don't know if it's a recipe of, like, this is the right order to put it in, or just the ingredients and you figure out how to make it work. Because sometimes you're going to do it a certain way, sometimes you're going to do it this way. When it comes to cooking, I see recipes as suggestions anyway. So maybe this is the way you can approach prayer. But here's some of the ingredients that you should put, put in there. So you sit in silence and you ask for God, okay, how should I actually be praying? And the next thing you're going to do, in my opinion, should be confessing your sins. And there's three layers or three levels of confessing your sins, right? Number one, if you, according to 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, uh, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, and he will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. The next thing we need to actually do is confess our sins to one another. And this is where most of us are like, mm -mm, not doing that, right? But let me just walk us through. According to James, who is the half-brother of Jesus, he says, confess your sins to one another. There's 92 commandments of one another. It's like how we should actually interact, interact with each other in the New Testament. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. It may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is great power uh, as, as working in him. And then... That would be understand. Like, yeah, we should, if we wrong somebody, we need to do this. And so, in your prayer time, you may write down the names of people you've wronged. And your very next right thing to do, if it's 5 a.m., don't call them, because that'd be another way of sinning against them. But um, just the next time you see them or next time you have an opportunity, just ask for forgiveness. Say, hey, hey, I did this. Can you forgive me? It's, it doesn't have to be elaborate. Right? It just needs to be direct and all this. The third layer is that God may reveal someone to you that has wronged you and you need to forgive them. And this one's tricky. This one's you're like, nah, I don't want to do this. John 20, 23, though, says this, that God won't forgive you if you don't forgive other people. Yeah. 
So God may reveal people to you that have wronged you, that you need to forgive. In my life, my dad has come up time and time again at this level of like, hey, he was gone when you were old, you haven't talked to him since you were 17. And there's some daddy issues. You're welcome to be your pastor without having daddy issues, right? <laughs> um, but there's that one. And so God just constantly brings us up. Like, will you keep forgiving him? And you may have forgiven him. Like, I may have forgiven him 10 years ago, 15 years ago, whatever. But like what we talked about last week, sometimes those rocks just keep coming back when you feel it. You need to remove them. You need to take care of them. And that's one of those things. And if, you, if I don't, I know this, that God, according to the scripture, won't forgive me in my next sin. And that's not something I'm willing to do. So take time to just pray through that. Sit in silence, confess your sins, like write down who you need to confess your sins to, and then who you need to forgive. And the next one is, is just adoration. You just need to adore God for who he is. The fact that he's the creator of this universe, the fact that he's done all this amazing stuff. If you look through the Psalms, you see this massive two-thirds of the Psalms are lament. Crying out to God, God, why have you done this? Why have you figured this out, right? And so some of that times you just need to like literally just cry out, and then all of a sudden you see the switch that happens in the Psalms. They're adoring God for this creation. God, you are faithful in this. You've done amazing things. Even the lightning vultures replied to you according to Job and all that kind of stuff. And the next thing you need to do is bring your request to him. You can like, bring it simple, bring it directly to him. It could be big, it could be small, it could be whatever. And then thank him. We talked about this before, that in the Hebrew concept that they talk about the future days is the backward days, meaning that they're looking into the past. They've seen how God has provided for them. And they're, just, they're walking backwards into the future. And this is one of those things you can remind God of what he's done for you already and ask him to do it again. And then, in my opinion, you should probably sit in silence again and say, okay, God, what do you want me to actually do from here on out? John Wesley talked about this, that reading the scriptures is understanding who God is and what he wants you to do about it. And the same thing is true for prayer. That you understand what God's like, get in the presence of God, but then, okay, what do you want me to do about it from here on out? How do you want me, how should this impact the rest of my day? And stuff like that. So we're going to work through a few things about actual prayer and stuff like that uh, in helpful situations. When I was, I think it was 2009, 2008, somewhere in there, I wasn't a pastor. Uh, I went from Florida. We were like, after a while, we were like, forget this. I'll never be a pastor again. Uh, and then we moved to Michigan, which is, is what it is. Florida to Michigan in February. Don't make that move. Let's just put it that way. Especially if you're used to sunshine yeah. and warmer weather, no snow. And then the gray skies of Michigan for nine months, and you're like, seriously, what's going on? Um, and all of that. So I worked for a Toyota company, so I was doing that. And then because I was an ordained pastor, the denomination that we're part of was like, hey, you should be a part of a church, or we're going to pull your credentials. And I was like, well, pull them. I really don't care. And Heather, like, she was in her apartment living room, like, shut up, stop talking. Whenever your wife, husband, whenever your wife say that, you should probably follow their voice and just stop talking at some point, right? Uh, so I did that. So we found a church that I didn't hate, put it that way. The larger church, I could drop our boys off and I could wander the halls and recover from my little wounds and immaturity and all that other stuff from stuff in Florida. Well, then Heather became a pastor on staff and she needed a large group teacher for three and four year olds. So she asked me, and how do you tell her no as your husband? I'm like, as my wife, I was like, I don't know if I can say that. Even though I really didn't want to do it. Teaching Bible stories to three and four year olds was not my ideal 
thought of like, yeah, this would be my next step in being a pastor or teaching, stuff like that. So I did it though for two years. Uh, it was one of my favorite times looking back. You think you know something until you have to teach three to four year olds. Yes. Right? And what we teach people here in our church, like if you want a platform to, 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 to speak from and to be a pastor on and stuff like that, you're going to start a kids ministry. Yeah. And cleaning toilets, by the way. So um, <laughs> see how their hearts and their humbleness goes. But here's the deal. If you can't take the complexities of the Bible and break it down into simplistic forms, all you're going to do is ramble. And so what we started learning during that time frame of like how, people, how, how the kids would just have the prayer request time, I had no clue what they were going to list. But they would list some of the best things. They, they thank God for their stuffed animals. They thank God for the sunshine that day. They thank God for the great food that their mom made. They thank God for all the ice cream. They also prayed because they were learning how to wipe at that age for their itchy butts. And one kid literally put that out there in a prayer request. And I'm like, well, that's relevant because that's where you're at, right? Some, some people were praying for, you know, my sister not being so mean, all this other stuff. It was a wide gamut of all the kind of prayer requests. Kind of like a Google search and all of that. So, but here's what I didn't know. That sometimes I would give them opportunity to pray for each other. And it was never long. It was simple. It was short. And it was honest. When it comes to prayer, there's no reason you pull out a thesaurus, a dictionary, and make up words just to impress somebody. Keep it simple, keep it short, keep it honest. And if you're praying with people, still change it, nothing changes. Keep it simple, keep it short, keep it honest. And when it comes to confessing your sins, they're not mistakes. You didn't mess up, you sinned. Be honest. Don't try to elaborate it. Don't try to, like, just be honest with God. Because here's the deal. Jesus knows you're sinning. I don't know if you knew this or not. All he's asking you to do is confess it. He's also not asking you to mask it, to make it up, and to, you know, if you did this, don't make it this. Just be honest about it. And that's part of the challenge. Sometimes we just feel like we need to, like, church things up, even our uh, stuff like that. Um... When I was eight years old, there was a construction site going on across the street from our house. And one day there was a field, and the next day there was a hole in it. Now, I don't know what to do. As an eight-year-old, when I saw a hole dug in the field, like, I was like, sweet, let's go to like, sport. And there's all this construction equipment around it. There's a ladder, so I put the ladder into this hole, and I started playing around. Now, the first day was sweet. It was all muddy. It was kind of fun. I easily got out of the, the hole. The next day, I didn't know this, but they poured the concrete for the footers and all in the basement. And so I took that same ladder, put it in the hole, like walked down there, and none of the construction people were around, and then I got stuck. Have you ever been stuck in concrete? It's not fun, put it that way. Um, so I'm eight years old, and I'm screaming for help. My best friend, Richie, who's our next door neighbor, finally heard me, and he came over, and he laughed, and then he went and got help. He got his bro older brother, Teddy, and he laughed, and then finally my brother came home from football practice, and he sees Richie and Teddy and like looking into a hole, laughing. He's like, what are you guys laughing at? He's like, your brother's stuck in this concrete up here. Have you ever been stuck in situations where you just can't get out of on your own? Yes. Like, anytime I moved, I made it worse. I lost a shoe. Somewhere in that, like, <laughs> whole duplex complex, there's a shoe somewhere in mine. And I'd like to go back and just try to get it back. It don't fit, so I'm going to do that. But some of those things, that's how we do this, right? 
And, and here's the deal. When it comes to sin, you're stuck in your sins. So let's just be honest and, be, and call it what it is. A lot of times, prayer should be the first thing that we do, but it's the, sometimes the last thing that we do, isn't it? When you find yourself stuck in your sin, just go directly to God. And when you go to God, keep it simple, keep it short, keep it honest. And that's one of those scenarios that you can find yourself in. When I was in sixth grade, my uh, youth pastor took, us, took 10 of us up to way up into Wisconsin, higher than I've ever been, or further north I've ever been uh, in there. And first time camping for like two weeks, and then also the first time I've ever canoed. And I don't know about you, but canoeing and me, and I'm like ADD, hyperactive at that point, uh, I made that tip over and over again just because I thought it was funny. And then my friend Nathan Behrman did not, so he hit me in the head with the oar, or the paddle. And I was like, all right, I got the message. So here's the deal, we just stopped paddling for a while, but when you paddle, or when you're in a lake and you stop paddling, we started drifting out into the middle of the lake. And these Boy Scouts who like were there, part of the, on the same campground, were like, hey, why don't you just drop your anchor? I was like, well, it would have been nice to know before we were in the middle of the lake, right? And so here's the deal. When it comes to prayer, prayer is our anchor to stay connected to God. We talked about this last week, that can you follow Jesus and disagree with the words of Jesus? I'll let you decide that one. And then the other question I would have to ask for you is, can you follow Jesus and not follow the patterns of Jesus? Like, what do we see Jesus do? He prays time and time again. A lot of times when we find ourselves going through transitions in life or just kind of wandering in life, we kind of drift away, don't we? And prayer can become this thing that anchors it in. Hebrews, the author talks about this, that Jesus is our anchor and that we can hold on to it. And then when winds and waves crash against us and try to push us around, prayer can be that thing that connects us to this anchor that holds us closer to Jesus. And this is part of that, that other thing. Uh, I don't know if you have ever approached Jesus in prayer and you're just overwhelmed. Sometimes we talk about this, we've used this illustration before, that a lot of times our hearts and our lives are con like somehow just knotted together like this ball of yarn. And if you've ever taken a ball of yarn that's been knotted together, can you easily just untangle this? Not really. And the more you pull, usually the more of a mess you make. And this is part of that process of prayer that when you sit there and you do this, God's going to start un un untangling your heart. But when we, all we do is we show up to God and we just start blurting out things that we need Him to do, it usually gets a little worse, doesn't it? But if we sit in silence, we just sit there and, and confess our sins, and we adore God for who He is, we put our requests in there, and we do this, usually this just starts to get untangled a little bit more at a time. It's not a fast process. Sometimes it's a slower process, but God eventually will take this, this ball of yarn and untangle it, not for our glory, by the way, but for His. He wants to put His glory, His love, on display through our lives. And life happens to us, doesn't it? But sometimes God just simply wants to put His into this. So here's what we're going to do to end the service. We're going to take scenarios. Those three scenarios are being stuck in sin, drifting, and wandering. And I'm going to ask Annalisa and Russell to help me out with this as well. But we're going to walk through how to actually pray in these situations. We're going to sit in silence, confess our sins, adore God for who He is, thank Him, put our requests in there, and thank Him. And it does not have to be a long time, but we just want to walk through the, how do we actually pray to God in these scenarios.
So go ahead and bow your heads. We're going to walk through, the first one I'm going to walk through is how do we actually come to God and confess our sins in this? So I'm going to start by just simply sitting in silence. Jesus, we come before you and we confess our sins. Jesus, we admit that you are our Savior, meaning we needed saved. And we've sinned against you. We've sinned against others. Some of our sins may be things that we just didn't do that you asked us to do. So God, we confess that to you. Some of the sins, maybe things we did evil, we knew that it was wrong, but we wanted to do it anyway. And we confess those to you. You gotta be adore you because of how merciful you are. How gracious you are. That there's not one thing we could do to earn one more ounce of your love. That you love us. So God, we come before you, we ask you to forgive us of our sins. And Jesus, your word says that if we confess our sins, that you're faithful and just and you forgive us. Lord, some of us may be here facing a, a huge decision for our lives, God, or needing change, needing direction, Lord. We feel like we're just aimlessly wandering through life, just drifting in the lake, Lord. So, Lord, we just humble ourselves and ask you to enter in and have your way in our hearts and our minds and give us clear direction. Lord, let it be more of you, more of your spirit, more of your likeness in our hearts and in our minds, Lord, and less of us. We pray, Lord, that you would be the anchor in our lives, Lord God, to anchor us to what's true, to what's righteous, to what's holy, that you would give us wisdom, your godly wisdom, Lord, for you know all, you made all things, Lord. You have the world in your hands. There's nothing that escapes your eyes, God. So Lord, we want to lean into your wisdom this morning in regards to our decision-making, Lord God, in regards to the direction our lives are headed towards, Lord. Would you be with us? Would you counsel us? Because we need you, Lord. We recognize our need for you. 
So have your way, Jesus. Abba, Father, we see you as Abba, as Dad, as Father. You know all things. You are in control of all things. You're the creator of the universe, Lord. So we know that nothing is hidden from you. Abba Father, some of us may be overwhelmed with what's going on in our lives right now. Some of us may be overwhelmed with family situations, with relationships, with, with sicknesses that we're waiting for healing for, Lord, um, with decisions that are, are hard to make, Lord. And when we're overwhelmed, it's hard to focus. It's hard to, to lean in and, and hear what you want us to do and, and where you want us to go and who you want us to be. So Lord, we ask that you take those things that are overwhelming and give us peace. You say in your word, you keep the mind at perfect peace that is stayed on you because we trust in you, God. So we trust in you, Lord. We rest in you. And we give you every single burden, every single barrier that, that causes our minds not to focus on all that you are for us, Lord. Thank you that we can bring every burden to your feet. You are good. You are worthy. You are loving, you are kind. And you go before us and you take care of things that we can't even foresee for ourselves, Lord. So thank you that we can trust and rest in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, when it comes to prayer, just I would encourage you to take some time. It doesn't have to be 10 minutes, it doesn't have to be long. Just take some time, be silent, confess. Adore, put your requests out there, thank him. You just keep it simple, keep it short, keep it honest. Uh, and that should help us as we connect and just continue to follow God in this regard. So uh, so if you have prayer requests for anything, I'd love to pray with you back at the green wall. Um, we'll meet you back there. If you are new with us today, we'd love to connect with you out of guest services. And I hope you know this to be true, that God loves you, and that I love you. And as we follow him, we'll, keep, we'll have an encounter, encounter the best he has to offer for us. So let's go meet the church. Have a great week. See you next Sunday.